It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to Reliving the War. It is the podcast where we go through the Attitude Era and the reign of WCW during the Monday Night Wars and relive it. We do it exclusively on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. My name is Nims Azor, joined, as always, by my tag team partners, Simon Tackler. And, Simon, we are really getting to the thicker things in the Monday Night War. The tide is slowly turning towards the WWF. They've had some absolute belters of shows. We haven't really seen a bad one yet, but WCW, the ship is taking on water, you'd say. Absolutely. We are charting dangerous waters right now if (laughs) WCW was a ship. Uh, Halloween Havoc, is it a trick or a treat or is it both? Well, let's start off by getting into the intro because it is a fantastic intro. It's so warrior. Like, it's, is it a fantastic intro? That's it's, not what I. It's it's so because the minute it came on, I'm like, wow, this is this is like a couple of sheets away from the um that war that weird warrior comic that was put out where he mm. puts Santa in bondage. <laughs> 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 it's just such a bizarre little intro to it. You can tell that, like, I don't know. It's you can never go full warrior, but it has gone full warrior. Oh, it's so crazy that they let this guy come in after a track record that, yes, in the 80s and early 90s, he was a big deal. Diminishing returns with Ultimate Warrior. When he came back in 92? Yep. Like, he came back for that weird short run where everyone thought he was the fake Ultimate Warrior. Oh, yeah, because yeah, he right. wasn't on as many steroids and he was a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. But anyway, then during the steroid trial, they had to fire him. They're like, mate, you're too sus. You and Bulldog <laughs> yeah. got to go for a while till the heat <laughs> dies down. But then he came back in 96 and, you know, there were some fun appearances and he was over. But he was just so unreliable that mm. surely that should have been the end of his career. But WCW were like, no. Let's rehire him and let's give him full reign to do whatever the hell he wants based on nothing. Yep. Yep. Well, let's not forget, Lena, he's he's also borderline crippled the British Bulldog. He's done some of the stupidest Nitro segments you've ever seen, including the Magic Mirror where everyone on the planet except for Eric Bischoff, can see that Hulk, that uh, Hulk Hogan's talking to Warrior in the mirror. And, of course, he steals Brutus Beefcake and makes him join the One Warrior Nation. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's, it's All I can say is there's one thing that I did notice um, in the intro of Halloween Havoc. Snickers, as a company, have been very good to wrestling. Oh, shout out to Snickers, <laughs> the king of all candy bars, uh, my favourite chocolate, and obviously, yes, a great sponsor. For Halloween Havoc and later WrestleMania. Snickers yeah. loves wrestling. Snickers just gets all amongst wrestling here too. And and Snickers even caused some change too. Because remember when they were going to do that May Young trophy <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, I don't think so. So they started writing to Snickers and then yeah. Snickers like, yeah, you better change that. <laughs> if you want this Snickers money, you better, you know, act right. And WWE did. <laughs> Uh, look, to all, even though we are kind of like, you know, having a bit of a dig at Halloween Havoc 98, you can't deny that it's a sold out MGM Grand at Las Vegas. And all I can say is people are hyped for this match. They're very much hyped. They're, they're, they've been drinking the Kool-Aid. And I love that the the entire commentary team spend the intro talking about how much of, a, of the worst human being ever that Hulk Hogan is. Yeah, they just... Put down Hogan and Bobby Heenan specifically, he basically just cuts a promo because Tony says, okay, Brain, what do you think? And obviously Bobby was there at the time in the WWF. He was there for WrestleMania 6 and all that hype. 
he cuts such a great promo about their history, Hogan and Warrior, that again, because he was a heel back then, now he's a face, Hogan was a face, now he's a heel, Bobby's logic doesn't necessarily change, but he puts over how big the match is, how Hogan's a scumbag, and he's always known that, you know, he's very dangerous, and the Ultimate Warrior is his biggest challenge. Bobby Heenan was fantastic here, and I know we've said it before, but the whole idea that Bobby Heenan phoned it in for his whole WCW run is untrue. He's probably the best commentator most pay-per-views we watch here. Yeah, I fully agree with you on that one. Um, we get look, we don't start off with proceedings because I don't even know if Tony Schiavone got a rundown because he throws to Dave Penza, but then there's the <laughs> Nitro Girls. <laughs> Did you find it weird that they're commentating over the top of the Nitro Girls dancing? I don't know if they were meant to, but yeah, there were points where they're like, oh, oh, great moves. Oh, I like this song. <laughs> it's very weird. So this pay-per-view notoriously went overtime. The pay-per-view cut out the main event. So if you ordered this on pay-per-view, it just Mm. ran out of time three hours in. As I'm watching this, I'm trying to make note of the times and Mm -hmm. where they went wrong timing this show. So you had the intro video. Then you went to the commentators. As usual, they spoke for way too long in spite of it being good. Then they tried cutting to David Penzer to do something, but then they cut to the Nitro Girls. And then I thought, okay, I can see why this all went wrong. You've gone to the Nitro Girls before a match. And then to top it off before going to a match, they then cut to Mean Gene for a promo. Time your shows. What does that mean here? Get So Mean Mean Gene is there with Rick Steiner and Rick has new music. So Steiner line is done. It is gone. He cuts a promo that sounds like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. (laughs) And uh, so bear in mind, remember, we were meant to see him take on Rick Steiner. Uh, Sorry, we were meant to see him take on Scott Steiner at Road Wild. Mm. That was about four months ago. That was in August and we're now in October. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so a couple. Of, it felt like four months oh, ago, yeah. but uh, <laughs> um, Buff Bagwell comes out in a Fubu top, which really screams peak nineteen ninety eight. He's got the little backwards beret and everything, and he offers to help Rick Steiner because he knows what it's like to be in the NWO. He'll have Rick's bat, at, and you you talk about Sting being the most gullible man in <laughs> professional wrestling. Rick, come on! It took it didn't even take any convincing. It's just like, how do I know you're not gonna do that? And he's like, look into my eyes. It's like, yep. Checks out. Yeah, yeah. My note for this promo is Rick is a dumbass. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you you want your good guys to be trusting and, you know, they always see the best in people. But come on, man. It's buff Bagwell and it's ridiculous. And also on Rick Steiner's music, you mentioned he doesn't use Steiner line anymore. He now uses welcome to the dog pound or whatever it says at the start. It's basically a Jimmy Hart knockoff of Welcome to the Jungle by Guns oh, N' Roses. Fantastic. It's fantastic. It's one of those ones as a kid I didn't realize, but watching it back now, I'm like, uh, Jimmy Hart, you've done it again. Jimmy Hart, he's the king of sandalikes. I gotta say that. Like, if you ever if you ever have a chance, Simon, and you see a cheap copy of uh, Legends of Wrestling Showdown on PlayStation 2, pick it up. Don't pay more than five bucks for it by any means. But because the entire soundtrack is done by Jimmy Hart, it's great. So it's just like like all the knockoffs. You're just like, hmm, this sounds familiar. <laughs> what I, what I love up. about that game, though, is because you know Hulk Hogan was the big star and Jimmy Hart was part of it. They still had the rights to American Made. Yeah. Which look, I know real American is better, but American Made is a close, close knockoff. That's not yeah. bad in its own right, you know. And it's even got the the good Bret Hart theme, but we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Um, we get to our first match eventually, which seems to be like 30 minutes into the card already. It's it is 13 Raven minutes. Versus... 13 oh, really? minutes into a pay-per-view before the wow. match starts. And hey, how long over three hours did this pay-per-view go? Probably 13 minutes. So. Mm, mm, 15, actually, because uh, I, I, I noticed when... <laughs> I made to, I made note to be like, when does the three-hour mark tick over oh, on this page? Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we get Raven versus Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is the TV champ at the moment. Raven talks about his losing streak, and he says he won't wrestle tonight. 
until Jericho sort of goads him into doing it. I thought this was a really good promo to start off. Mm. It spills into the uh, outside to start off. There is a couple of pin attempts by Raven and uh, a lion tame by Chris Jericho. And, and Jericho even kicks out of the Evenflow DDT. This is a hell of a match. It's a really good match. The only blot on it is Canyon comes out for reasons and then literally doesn't even get into the ring. He gets knocked off by Chris Jericho. <laughs> Canyon gets knocked off the apron and doesn't really have a bearing on the ending of the match either. So it's a weird interference. <laughs> it doesn't really affect anything. But I like know. you said, yeah. great match. It was a little bit weird because they were both heels, but they did such a great job of like Jericho being the bigger dick because yep. he cuts a promo. And at first he's like, you're right, Raven. I don't want to wrestle either, but you're such a loser. And like then goes yeah. him into it. And I'll tell you what, like these guys, you know, were close and and friends and spoke highly of each other or whatever. My God, they had great chemistry. I kind of wish this was a feud because what a fun short match this was. Like Raven, when he's on, is awesome. And he got to to show it here. Jericho brought his A-game as well. He was going through his entire box of tricks. And it's at this point in time that you're kind of like trying to do the timeline in your head of when he jumps to WWF and when his contract finally runs out. Uh, then, you know, because we didn't have enough of this, we get a Hollywood Hogan promo coming up next. I hope you're cl- getting that stopwatch out here because uh, <laughs> Hogan says he's beaten everyone in wrestling because he loves Eric Bischoff. Like, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, oh, I've beaten everyone because I love this man. And it's like, what? Yeah, they're not things that connect or make sense. Yeah. it's it. All I put here is just it's a rant. Uh, recaps of Nitro and what a sh- and all I can think of when they're doing the recap of Nitro where Hogan attacks his nephew Horace with a with a, the most vicious chair shot is what a shell of the NWO is like it's so bad like Stevie Ray the giant Scott Norton and Vincent there it's just like how the mighty have fallen oh you can see why Hogan wanted to reform the mega NWO with the Wolfpack because he got left <laughs> with the duds Mm. Um, the whole Horace Hogan uh, recap we see from Nitro. Okay, it's nice to see a recap from Nitro on a pay-per-view because WWE does it a lot with Raw on the pay-per-views. We haven't seen WCW take advantage of it. The time they choose to do it and run this as a thread through a show is when it's Horace Hogan. He's yep. barely <laughs> been a part of anything. We barely knew he was Hogan's nephew. And they showed this video at least twice on the show to really hammer the point. If Hogan's willing to beat up his nephew, you know, his dead brother's son, what's he willing mm. to do with the war to the warrior? And, and just I don't to know, like, it's hard to yeah. care. To put a bow on it, Hogan then wraps up this awful rant by saying that he's going to rip the heart of talking about the warrior here he's going to rip the heart out of his body separate the body from his soul and then dump him in the toxic waste god it's wow <laughs> it's, and it's like right i guess yeah you really do hate the warrior mm. uh next up next up we've got uh meng versus wrath i think this is the point of the paper where bobby hannon's checked out a bit because because <laughs> it because it shows the big and i love the set for halloween having it he's so iconic with the big pumpkin and the gargoyle Tony Schiavone goes and asks Bobby, what do you think of the gargoyle, Brain? And Brain goes, I I think I met her earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. not bad. I w- you know, I will say, look, we've crapped on some of their production choices and, you know, the weird intro video. That wasn't great. There was no voiceover, just sound bites. In terms of production of their set, this Halloween Havoc set is amazing. The yep. giant pumpkin is great and it moves and it's got a Snickers logo. Fantastic. Yeah, the, the gargoyles breathing smoke through its Good. nose. It's, it's just really cool. But um, all I could say is there is some big time indifference when Wrath comes out. Like, and all I can think of, the first note I put down is like, how many years until Chronic? Um, <laughs> what I did enjoy too was like, so Wrath, obviously, they've moved away from the Mortal Kombat nest. But like, there is no reason for him to call his finisher the Meltdown, except unless you know that he's Adam Bomb. That he was Adam Bomb. It was a nice little reference to his past. <laughs> that's, Can I just that's say, yeah. I know, we're, look, we're reliving the war. I want to go back to 1998. I want to talk to 1998 Nims. Yeah. You're telling me you didn't like Wrath, because I remember at the time, for no reason whatsoever, both these guys become became like 
cult favorites because they were both on like these winning streaks. Did you not think Rath was going to be like, you know, he could beat Goldberg or anything or no? No, no. I was, I was all on the Meng train because I loved it. Oh, okay. Uh, I was all on that, but like because Wrath, because I'm such a huge Mortal Kombat fan, and Wrath <laughs> and Wrath and Mortis, and what were they called? Like Fire and Ice or Cool and Desire, whatever the <laughs> yeah. hell they were called, that just put me off Wrath, and I just didn't want to bar him yeah. at all. <laughs> Bring he on Chronic. That's all I could say. He, he had a great look. To be fair, you can see why everyone for a few years here, the WWE and WCW, thought, man, there's something with this guy. Good looking, good body, fairly athletic. Yep. Never heard him cut a promo, so who knows if he can talk. Can I just say, though, my note is, Wrath, for people who don't know, Wrath was the Wardlow of his time. Yep. Prove me wrong, <laughs> Wardlow. So good. Good-looking so guy, good. good body. You're like, oh, he could be something. We'll see. Similar always on the Always on the fringe. Like, if he I got a it. shot at, at the exactly. WWF title back in the day, you'd buy it. You you'd would buy it. it. Yep. Hmm. Um, all I can say, at least it was a short but sweet match. Really inoffensive. Like it was. It Meng honestly got, wasn't that bad. Yeah, men got his uh, got his stuff into, and just the, the sight of seeing Adam Bomb. Sorry, uh, uh, Wrath. <laughs> I was, was going to go. I, not this is how little interest I have in Wrath. Oh, I, I, I was going to go Adam Bomb, then Brian Clark, then Wrath. That's that's the totem <laughs> that's, pole there. Yeah. <laughs> Him putting Meng in the meltdown was actually pretty cool. Gets the pin, and. I think Tony Schiavone is really delving into the hyperbole because he calls it, it's a highlight of 1998. What, this match? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Come to on, be Tony. fair, so Tony on the same show called Hogan and Warrior the biggest rematch in pro wrestling history. Okay, a bit of a stretch, but we'll kind of allow it. Well, to allow then it. say Wrath and Meng is one of the greatest moments of 98, his credibility is out the window. It is. It is. He's just taken such a nosedive here. Next up, it's Kidman at WCW.com. Uh, they're doing a little backstage bit. All I can say is like, um, Kidman and Lee Marshall and that internet dude that types so loudly. Oh, it's just like, this is one of those th times I'm saying, just copy what the WWF are doing. Just do that, please. Because no one wants to watch them like talk, do you know, mumbling promos where, you know, they're trying to do these sort of in sit down interviews. It just doesn't work. We don't get any of it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here's you watching a promo midway through and a promo that's not directed at you anyway. It's directed at a different audience. So, yeah, yeah odd choice. Uh, I don't think it ever clicks for these internet segments. Yeah, definitely not. And I'd be love to. I'd love to know if there is like you know there'll be like a I don't know like a Usenet channel or a forum somewhere that's got all of those real media files just saved just in mm. case. Uh, next up, it is Disco Inferno versus Hoovertude Guerrero. Disco has a weird sort of camera effect for his intro, but well, it's the pumpkin version of the mirror ball. Oh, is that what it is? Halloween, because <laughs> it was there for like three seconds. Before yeah, they he went, didn't you know, commit to it. <laughs> yeah. So. I got to say, like, re regardless of whatever Glenn Gilberti is doing these days, you can't deny that Disco Inferno was huge in 98. The crowd loves this gimmick. There are some crowds that just take to the Disco Inferno. They love him in Las Vegas. And we've said it before. His entrance music is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It yeah. just takes over the crowd. And everyone was doing the dumb disco dance. Uh, yeah, the Saturday Night Fever deal. The Saturday yeah. Night Fever thing. He nails the gimmick too. Like, he commits to it so well. A uh, great sign in the crowd said, Hoovy is groovy. <laughs> Don't know why that wasn't a catchphrase. It's so obvious. But anyway, this was very fun. I was shocked by this match. I also was shocked because the first note I have, this is the best match we've ever seen with Disco Inferno in it. <laughs> Um, also, why do they call Hoovertude Guerrero the Youth Warrior, Hoovertude Guerrero? The Youth Warrior, Sweet Surrender. I don't know what was <laughs> going on with this guy's nicknames and marketing, but not the best. Uh, there's a bit there, too, where Disco Inferno throws in some Macarena for good measure as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a big swing into a nut shot by Disco on Hoovertude Guerrero. It's a, there's a nice bit of aerial work from Hoover to grow as well, but um, Disco with the jumping pile driver gets the win. I was impressed. I was I was actually surprised how much I enjoyed this match. This was good. Hoover is usually solid, and I've enjoyed him more without the mask. To be yep. honest, like he feels more like a character now, not just a guy doing flips. 
And Disco Inferno, I think we've said it a few times. He had like a solid match with um, Raven, uh, sorry, Raven and uh, Saturn. Like he's mm. been in the mix with guys and it's been good. This was a standout performance from Disco. That jumping pile driver was awesome too. He killed him with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what I found weird about this though, from like, I don't know, booking standpoint, not that we're writers or anything, but Disco's a heel. And the story of the night was that the winner of this match would then wrestle Kidman for a shot at the Cruiserweight title. Yeah. Why does the heel go in having already wrestled a match against the fresh face champion? Yeah. It feels a little bit, and I know it's like, well, the WWE would do it the opposite, so WCW is trying to be different. Trying to be different here is dumb because you're making Disco look like a tough guy. <laughs> like, yeah. he wrestled a match and then he's going to wrestle the champ. It makes Kidman look like he's going in with an advantage. I don't know. I think it's weird. It, it is strange, too, because you did, especially when you did the exact same thing with Booker T less than two months ago. That's true. As a face, <laughs> exactly. Now you're making Disco the heroic guy. Uh, one great bit of commentary in this match, though. Tony um, says, come on, Brain, you're always running people down. And Brain says, I don't run people down. I haven't even driven since we got to Las Vegas. <laughs> Fantastic comeback. Just so good. <laughs> yeah, Bobby the Parade is just on point here. As we get to our next segment, the Nitro Girls, they're back. And we also get an insight into the minds of Tony and Bobby the Brain Enon because they're being dirty old men in commentary. And thankfully, this is something that I guess they removed from the uh, network uh, the WWE Network uh, version of the pay-per-view because they promise us you also get Conan's new video coming up next. <laughs> I made note of that later in a different segment when they call back to it. They're like, oh, it wasn't as good as Conan's music in his video. I wish that was still on the pay-per-view. Because <laughs> remember they used to like show that all the time uh, on Nitro as well? For no reason on TNT when you were watching Nitro, it would just play in the middle of the show, at the end of the show, just yeah, his yeah. Conan song again. Yeah, which was bizarre. And they kept doing it like well into like the year <laughs> 2000 as well. So- <laughs> was it just an ad on TNT, basically? It was like a five-minute filler? Who knows? It was weird. But, but but it couldn't. The only thing I always remember from that video clip is that the car with the hydraulics mm. and the camera zooming in on Conan's face when he says the word <laughs> psycho. <laughs> See, here's the thing. You remember the same song as I do, the psycho yeah. one. There's yeah. the other song, though, that other people like. There's yeah, another one? Got, yeah, he's got two. I always remember the psycho. And yeah, <laughs> crash zoom into his face. Yeah. The other one is where my dog's at. Oh, it's, my God. There was another one. Okay, we're going to have to do that as a special episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to dig that one up and have a look at that one later. But, yeah, as you can see, this paper is getting filled to the brim <laughs> of stuff. And no one yeah, how over. long would this be if they included the Conan video, actually? Because <laughs> uh, that's at least three minutes thrown in there. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um, so then, Okay, yeah. so Bow Wow Wow. Sorry, I just quickly Googled it. Bow Wow uh, Wow is the other song. Psycho is the one that. Right, remember. Okay, <laughs> I think Psycho must have been the one that was on heavy rotation when we <laughs> yeah. were watching that TNT back in it was the day. A big hit. And then later, Turner Classic Movies when oh. when that were rebranded. Uh, so then Scott Steiner is out next, and um, it is nice to see Scott Steiner come out of his shell with a rebuttal to Rick's earlier promo. Um, Scott suggests that they make it a tag team title match, and for some reason, I I just kept popping. At, at Scott Steiner, always referring to Rick as my brother. It just like, <laughs> he never once says Rick. It's always my brother this, my brother that. He forgets his name. Um, <laughs> I thought this was good. We're seeing Scott Steiner being close to 100%. He doesn't have the cadence down to his um, catchphrases yet, but they're mm. all kind of there. And he also says he's in town and ready to pound. Yeah, Scott Steiner was like the most attitude era guy in WCW. He was saying things that no one else would have been allowed to say. He even said he's got a freak on his left, a freak on his right, and one in a box. Like, what? What is this yeah. gimmick? Serial oh, killer? Stars. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Yeah, and you can sort of tell, like, towards the 2000s when he got more and more unhinged and started doing shoot promos in the ring, <laughs> that really it was a slippery slope before we got to that. I'm surprised we didn't get it in 98, 99. Yeah. Um, next up, it is Fit Finley versus Alex Wright. Now, 
love Fit Finley. I Alex Wright is passable. He's probably on a renaissance at the moment now as everyone sort of digs back to that era. But man, was this match just it was it was dead. It was just absolutely there was no life in this. Yeah, this was the match where I thought, okay, you easily could have cut this match. It's two heels again. We've already seen it with Jericho and Raven. They pulled it off though by, you know, doing a promo and actually being interesting characters. Fit Finley and Alex Wright, I could not care less. This almost lost me. And if that didn't lose you, we get to Ernest the Cat Miller at WCW.com. Lee Marshall and him, they're just, the loud typing continues. It's the weirdest converse. I was trying to keep up to date, trying to figure out what they were talking about. And then I just stopped caring because it just kept going for too long. Just yeah. bin this, bin I, this, spin this segment. <laughs> I kind of see what they were trying to have some fun where Lee Marshall was like, how can you call yourself the greatest? There already was a man who called himself the greatest. And Ernest Miller's like, oh, I don't know who you're talking to. He's like, mm. I'm the real deal. And then Lee Marshall's like, you know, there's already, there's already a, a real who deal. calls himself the real deal. Like, yeah, okay. We Even if that's a bit of fun for the internet because of the novelty is like, oh my God, Ernest Miller's cutting a promo on the internet, on my computer. We don't need to see this on TV. It's not for no. TV. No, no. And, I, and I'd argue that it was, there is anyone out there on their 486 going, yeah, this is some good content. <laughs> Someone's wasting valuable 56K modem bandwidth and yeah. they're Pentium 75 to bloody listen to Ernest the Cat Miller. Choking up the phone line to listen to that, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Next up, Lodi taking on Saturn. And um, interestingly, when Saturn comes out, uh, Tony Schiavone refers to his look as a combination tough guy army ranger look by Saturn. Mm. I think Tony was thinking what we were all thinking, but Saturn would have beat the hell out of him if he said it. Because Saturn didn't. Saturn didn't look tough at all. Saturn no. looked like he was about to entertain a group of women at a hen's party. Yeah, uh, Saturn looked like he'd be sneaking someone's watch around, <laughs> if you know what yeah. I mean. Uh, it was a weird look, but because it's Saturn, I'm guessing no one had the guts to be like, "Yeah, look kind of dumb." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's at Gorilla, which is like, that's what you're wearing? Well, what's wrong with what I'm wearing? Nothing, man. Looks, Looks good, good. Barry. <laughs> Looks great. Look, there's your music, man. How'd you get? <laughs> um, so this match, actually, I didn't mind this because there's the built-in backstory of uh, Lodi having Saturn as his slave, the dissolving of the flock. Uh, Lodi loses it when uh, someone tries to take his signs to the back. And Lodi keeps getting out of the ring to get signs, and he goes to leave, but Saturn then drags him back. It's a pretty, it's a pretty quick match as well, but it's what you want to see. It's those squash matches. I know I'm going to sound stupid saying this, but it's the the level of love that the crowd's giving Saturn is almost like Austin esque. Like he's he's that over. He's that over with WCW back then. He had such a good match, and it was such a good story with the flock that all sort of came to a head at the last show with Raven. This felt like a little bit of a step backwards because you would think he would have beat Lodi on the way to beating Raven because he was Lodi's slave. But I get it. They needed to showcase him again on the pay-per-view. Saturn looked good here. few suplexes. Death Valley driver. He looked like a tough guy. It wasn't bad, but it's just like, okay, the show is running long. Keep this match, but cut Alex Wright and Finley. And the cat. Yeah, and the cat, maybe, get, and one of the four Nitro Girl segments. I don't know, mm. but yeah, at least Saturn looked good again. Speaking of the Nitro Girls, we then get a recap of Nitro from Buff Bagwell leaving, well, leaving the NWO, followed by more dancing from the Nitro Girls. So we're not yeah. done here, like no. And this is where they mention, like, oh, I like that other song, oh, but it's not as good as Conan's song. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's it get it's. It's really starting to drag on, which is weird because, like, I've enjoyed most of the matches. Everything's been good, but it's just like, come on, guys, pacing. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I feel like Eric Bischoff sort of did that. Well, if less is more, think of how much more more is. <laughs> and and this is a good example, this pay-per-view of what we've said. The WWE pay-per-views just feel quicker. The pacing's better, doesn't stop down as much. This hasn't been the worst show so far, but there are parts that make it drag because it yeah. just stops from the action. Next up, it is Disco Inferno in action again as he takes on Billy Kidman for the Cruiserweight title. We've got ourselves the iconic Billy Kidman mm. look and, and uh, the music for the for the first time on pay-per-view. It's a really good back-and-forth match. And uh, also, Mike Tanay 
uses this opportunity to remind fans how young talent in WCW is. That's the part that really stood out to me. It's like, you know, we got these 24, 28, 20, da, 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 da. Which I think is a good thing because we don't have a lot of them in WCW because Jim Ross was doing that a lot at the in the WWE at the time, mentioning right, how man. young, you know, the new age outlaws are and D'Lo Brown and X-Pac. It's good to see some young guys in WCW. And I will say, I didn't take a lot of notes on this match because this match, Disco and Kidman was even better than Hoovy and Disco, I thought. This was great. It was fantastic. I've written, I've only got like, I've got barely anything here as well. Too. I've just got Smack Talk by Disco. And uh, and I've just written here, Disco is following the Aki N64 gameplay of regular taunts to boost your special as after you do moves. <laughs> Foolproof plan. He was building it up quick. He had the momentum. It was good. And yeah, Kidman with the, the classic music, which I forgot how good it was. He looked good in his wife, Beta. You know, yep. Disco looked good. This is... Two of the, the full characters in WCW, you know, they got like the defined look and gimmick. And yeah, great chemistry, great match here. Well, yeah, this is also the, one of the first times where, if you notice, regular WCW viewers would know that you can't powerbomb Kidman. Like, he just always seems to get out of it. There's a Macarena powerbomb that's reversed into a face buster. <laughs> and then finally, a shooting star press by Kidman gets the win. Phenomenal match. Like I said, it's rare that we compliment Disco Inferno for one match, but he he really stepped up in this pay-per-view. Yeah, it, he might have been the star of the night. Two very, very good wrestling matches. Uh, and Kidman here, they call it the shooting starts, no longer the seven-year rich, which it was mm -hmm. when he was part of the flock. Good to see him uh, you know, picking up steam. The crowd was into it too. You just look at these guys and you think, wow, WCW did have a good mid-card you know, throughout this era. But yeah, it's all starting to fall apart in other areas of the show. Yeah, absolutely solid. Speaking of uh, falling apart, the Giant and Scott Steiner take on Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell. Now, the Giant and Scott Hall are champions, but because the NWA can do what they want, this is a tag team title match. Scott Steiner, I guess, is taking the place of Scott Hall here. Uh, all I can say is, like, Buff Bagwell had some time to get some merch done, clearly, because he's got one of those just buff shirts um um paul white the giant is smoking indoors which i thought was pretty amusing there's also a plug for bride of chucky which is hilarious because they were plugging chucky in 1998 and in 2022 liv morgan's doing the same thing they even tied it in um with chucky being there for bron breaker who of course yeah. is Rick's son. So Chucky has history with the Steiner family. You know, it's all part of their their law and their background. I will say one thing I liked about the start of this match is how ridiculous everyone looked. Like this yep. looked like pro wrestling. <laughs> Scott Steiner <laughs> juiced out of his head, the giant smoking a cigarette, Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell. Like these are wrestlers in the 90s. Yeah, so Rick Steiner still with some hangovers of like, but like trying to make the old school Minnesota, uh, like you know Minnesota Steiner look a bit more relevant. Buff Bagwell's wearing Tommy Hilfiger jeans, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's it's so they go back and forth. Rick is about to get the pin on Scott Steiner, but tags in Buff Bagwell, who promptly just turns on him and leaves. <laughs> The second he tags in, he kind of spins around and punches Rick and just leaves. It's so obvious. And when that happened, I thought, oh, this is going to suck. They're just going to beat up Rick and it's going to be another NWO, you know, like um, bad guys get the upper hand here. But no, they bucked the trend. Rick finally got a little bit of um, payback here. The comeback from Rick Steiner. The end of this match, which is basically a handicap match, the mm -hmm. crowd is louder for this than virtually anything we'll see the whole night. Like, they yeah. go nuts for Rick's comeback. And also, people have probably seen the gif. This is the famous match where the Giant does a missile drop kick. He tries yep. to kick Rick, but Rick moves and he kicks Scott. It's amazing. What a great visual that was. Yeah, Rick gets a top row, Bulldog gets the win, and Rick wins the tag team titles on his own. There was a stipulation that if Rick beats uh, Scott Steiner and the Giant, that he then gets 15 minutes with his brother one-on-one. -on -one. 
And that's exactly what happens. Scott and uh, Giant try to leave, but Rick is back. He drags them back in. The crowd goes bonkers. Everything that Rick does, he takes out every bit of offense, gets a huge cheer. And when Scott fights back, you could hear a pin drop. That's how much mm. people get into this match. Yeah, they were loving it here. It, look, I know they dragged it on and we were saying these guys were meant to wrestle months ago. In a way, it kind of paid off here. Rick yeah. won the tag titles on his own. And, you know, obviously the Steiners were famous for being a tag team. So that was a little bit poetic there. Rick's the tag champ on his own. Rick finally gets Scott one-on-one -on -one in the ring, despite all of the shenanigans in this match, because Buff Bagwell runs out <laughs> dressed as Bill Clinton in a suit and a Clinton mask. So, <laughs> yeah, we've got, we got to go. We got to delve yeah. into that a little bit <laughs> yeah. more deeply. So, so after Rick... After he turns on Rick in just his jeans or whatever, he then goes to the back. Later on during the match, like you said, there's someone jumps in from the crowd in a suit, a full-on grey suit and a Bill Clinton mask. It's Buff Bagwell. It's Buff Bagwell. And then you think, oh, no, they've got Rick. They're going to win. No, Rick's not done yet. Then Stevie Ray runs out with his famous slapjack. The freaking and slapjack. I will say... Stevie Ray slaps Charles Robinson with it, and I rewound this. Charles Robinson takes the absolute best <laughs> and only good slapjack shot ever. He <laughs> he goes down like he was shot with a cannon. It is great. Uh, and then we see uh, another kick out from Rick Steiner here. We then yeah, see he does a Frankensteiner, yeah. Yeah, we then see Scott hit the Frankensteiner, and you think, okay, that's going to be it. At one point, we get another low blow. And by this point, there's been four low blows on the show, <laughs> all in front of the referee. And I think it was this match where Tony was like, we need the rules committee to look into this. This is getting out of hand, which is true. Uh, but anyway, Rick then beats everybody up like he's Hulk Hogan. He just beats Stevie, Buff, Scott up. The timing of this ending, though, when Rick hits the bulldog, he gets in the cover, and as he's about to get the cover, you're thinking, where's the referee? Because Charles Robinson's been slapped from the aisle, and that's where the camera is shooting. The camera is yep. shooting the aisle. You see Nick Patrick just bolting down. Oh, yeah. He so, slides you know, in yeah. as Rick hooks the leg, basically. So that gif of Charles Robinson running down the WrestleMania ramp is basically like this is the WCW yeah. equivalent of Nick Patrick doing that. It's phenomenal. Like, yeah, for all the dragging out, this does have a great payoff. Rick Steiner winning the tag team titles. No doubt he'll probably have to give it back next, <laughs> yeah, uh, like yeah. the next episode of Nitro. I'm not actually sure what happens. But yeah, it's a phenomenal match and it just all the shenanigans adds to it. This is peak WCW 98 and I love every moment of it. Yeah, it was good. It, it was one of the times where WCW went for a convoluted ending like the WWE and pulled it off. Great stuff. I can't believe in one show they've had like someone wrestling multiple matches, Disco and Rick Steiner. Gotta say, they all pulled it off, shockingly. <laughs> yep. And yeah. shout out to Buff Bagwell who, when they cut to him selling after everyone's lost and Rick Steiner celebrating, he's crying out for Monica, which was so <laughs> funny because he's still Bill Clinton. He's like, Monica, where's Monica? So dumb, but so good. Uh, I do want to quickly mention before we move on that uh, there was a part where they try to figure out if Judy Bagwell was part of the collusion, <laughs> to which Tony Schiavone then says, no, she's a fine woman. <laughs> So she's about to become a character here, Judge Judy Bagwell. We're getting there. So I should take a quick moment to just recap here. Out of all the matches, there's only been like a handful that have been bad. It's a pretty, it's a pretty jam-packed pay-per-view. But the thing is, it's like it's too jam-packed, and and like the pacing because now we go from that into another grudge match. So this is the second grudge match that we've just had following another grudge match: Scott Hall versus Kevin Nash. And as a massive Scott Hall fan, we know how much we've been praising Scott Hall. He's in his last call Scott Hall run in this snake of the woods of WCW. And it's it's the spew on Eric Bischoff, the tripping into the ring. It's, yeah, it's not the best Scott Hall that we see. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of torn here because I hate this era of Scott Hall. I hate the fact that they never just put him in the Wolfpack. 
you know, and just run with that. It all felt like they were going against the grain for no reason. It was just really annoying. I hated it as a kid and I hate it as an adult. I will yep. say though, credit here. And of course it's when these guys are having a match hall and Nash, you know, where they came from. This might've been though, the best promo video on a WCW yep. pay-per-view. It had yep. music. It had sound bites. It had a voiceover. It felt like they said, hold on, if we're wrestling for the first time on a WCW pay-per-view, you're going to give us a real <laughs> video package yeah. here. And it was good. Like, I know the the, the storyline kind of sucked with Scott Hall having to play drunk, but the clips of the Kevin Nash sit-down interview were great. And yeah, the whole thing made it feel like a main event. I, I, know, I can picture in my head Kevin Nash and like a production truck saying, do what they do up north, and then just walking out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he gave um, them what I... any copy of any in your house and said, just do this. What are you doing? <laughs> now, the thing that I love is, so Scott, like, oh, I will admit, though, as, like, back in 1998, like, uh, last call Scott Hall amused me. It amused me because it's just like, oh, he's falling apart. <laughs> Not knowing that, you know, his life was falling apart in reality. It was only like later when you sort of like delve into the dirt. It's like, oh, geez, they put all that on camera. Um, because Scott Hall comes out with a beverage. And the thing that I love is Tony Schiavone then condemns the alcoholism. Like uh, Hall's life is literally falling apart and it's played out on screen. Something that caught me off guard. Kevin Nash's build from Arizona. Yeah, he was. That was weird. Yeah. Not not Detroit or wherever he's normally from. I guess he was yeah. living in Arizona at the time, which is true, though. Actually, that rings a bell because I've heard him talk about he was living in Arizona and that's yeah. where Warrior was living and he would work out at Warrior's gym that he owned. Wow. And, you know, he said there was some weird tension there. And anyway, yeah. <laughs> you so, think? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, anyone that's bigger than Warrior is basically a threat to him. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. Point, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kevin Nash built from Arizona here. The drink to the face of Nash starts off the match, and we're straight into it. Hall cuts a promo on Nash from the ring. And, yeah, all I could say is, like, this is – it's a surprisingly good match. Hall is dominating Kevin Nash, and Nash is bleeding from the mouth. It's it's just – um yeah, it's – it's a weird match to watch because it's not bad, but it's just strange to watch. Yeah, uh, it took me a while to get into it because then I kind of figured out what they were doing or what they were going for. And it was kind of a risk. I kind of appreciated the story here. It wasn't meant to be a good match. You know, it wasn't no. meant to be your five-star classic, but it was a good story. So, you know, yeah, it's Hall, a tough love kind of match. Yeah. Exactly. Hall beat the hell out of Nash and then Nash finally said, okay, I'm going to fight my friend. I'm going to beat him up. But then right at the end, Kevin Nash doesn't finish the job because it's about teaching Hall a lesson. And also he realizes that, you know, Hall needs the win more than Nash does. Yeah. And, you know, Hall needs the money and all that. So Nash kind of just walks out for the count out. But the work they do in the match is very interesting. You know, it's interesting if you take it as a story. It's not as good as their SummerSlam 94 match. Mm. In terms of a wrestling match but that's not what they were trying to do here so i can no, appreciate no, yeah. it in that sense yeah the entire match is like kevin nash feeling betrayed by his friend not knowing uh like scott scott's life falling apart and kevin nash showing him like a, a bit of tough love here there's a bit there where when kevin nash goes to do a powerbomb where bobby heenan sort of does a howl and it's very reminiscent of like the chorus of uh werewolf of london <laughs> There are a few times where Bobby Heenan does that during the Wolfpack's entrance. I think that was just his chance to just, yeah, get in on the uh, the Wolf action. Yeah, so basically, there's two jackknife powerbombs, and they're vicious-looking jackknives as well. And Nash walks away for, uh, for Scott Hall to, um, to get the win via countout. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely a story match. It's not a... Uh, because that was a thing, too. Like, I believe in the matches, like, you know, if I remember from Nitros back then, like... When Scott was like, you know, throwing up on Eric Bischoff and stuff like, it was like, oh, Kevin Nash doesn't care about the NWO rivalry. He's coming out because he cares yeah. for his friend, that sort of stuff. So it really did build up to that. And just as a palate cleanser, after those two grudge matches, we have the Nitro Girls. Again, they're back now with wigs. That was the yeah. only thing different. They were wearing wigs. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it for no reason. Let's waste more time. Yeah. And to the point where Kevin, not Kevin now, sorry, where um, Bobby the Brain, Tony Schiavone, and Mike Tanay are debating the colors of the wigs. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, oh, it's a rainbow. It's like, they're more neon. It's like, oh, really? Come on, You guys. don't even need to be talking. That's the other no. thing. Why are you talking? <laughs> Next up, it is Bret Hart versus Sting. I, I did like that they tried to shoehorn just briefly that it's a battle of like, you know, the sharpshooter versus the scorpion deathlock. That's all they did it. They just did it once. Mm. Yeah. And never mentioned it ever again. You would think that would be the whole crux of the match. You know, Brett's like, oh, you think you're more famous for using the move and blah, blah, blah. Can I just say, we've got Sting here, not only in his red paint, but this is also Goatee Sting. Goatee. Goatee <laughs> it's so Sting. funny how he went from the most serious guy and he's gothic to just midlife crisis in the span of six months. Like, yeah. hey, I'm cool, guys. You know, I've got a goatee and I can throw up gang signs. It's also sudden. You know, you know that he grew that because he started hanging out with Kevin Nash for that long. He's like, that looks pretty good, Kev. Do you reckon I'd look good with a goatee? <laughs> can well, yeah. I also point out yeah, two things uh, that I want to point out to you. So this is WCW Brett. Like, the music, the look, the glasses. W 97 WWF Brett is just gone. Like, he's WCW Brett right now. And secondly, did you notice that sign in the crowd that says, Sting, give heart the Scorpion? The <laughs> Scorpion is misspelled. It's spelled S-C-O-R-I-P-I-A-N. Oh, no. <laughs> and the camera focuses on it. It's like, why? Why? Oh, actually, hold on. You've mentioned the camera zooming into a dumb sign where you're like mm. why would you zoom in on a on a typo did yeah. you notice the other sign they zoomed in on at one point i had to screenshot i thought i'm not going to write all this down but yeah. it said eric bischoff is a and then it was a b and c like a quiz it said yep. eric bischoff is an ex, ex oh, i don't even know if i say the word i won't say the actual word so it yep. says eric bischoff is a r word B, yep. oh, broke, C, a gimp, D, all of the above. <laughs> and the camera zooms right into it. There, Oh, my God. I, have to take photo. Oh I can't God. believe they just zoomed right in to the R word. Well, then again, I know, you know, Jerry Lawler would call Kane that very Also, soon. Also, yeah. that's that looks like a child has written that. Like the I think it, a child did. It's yeah. big, big cartoony letters. Big cartoony yeah. sort of letters. It was like, you know, like, what are you doing today, Billy? Well, I'm going to the Halloween <laughs> show on a, on Sunday night and I want to make a sign. Sounds good. <laughs> Even better if he did it at school, like during, yeah. um, you know, like art class. Arts and craft, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've mentioned 97, Brett. We've mentioned Goatee, Wolfpack, Sting. Um, Mike Tanay, though, which I thought he's trying to do his best to get this like on track, mentions and acknowledges Brett's five world titles, which I thought was a nice touch. But then this match is just like there's a lot of stalling to start off. Uh, Sting gets a scorpion deathlock, but Brett gets to the ropes. Brett is just he's a shadow of himself right now. It's 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 not a good match. <laughs> It is not a good match, and I'm glad it wasn't just me thinking that because I don't know if I thought are my expectations too high, but no, this match was boring. It's awful. It's I awful. wish we had 97 Brett back because I feel like 97 <laughs> Brett and any Sting would be good. Even 65-year-old yep. <laughs> Sting, 97 <laughs> Brett would have figured something out. Brett does not care at this point. There's even a point. And I know Brett's all about, oh, my matches are so realistic. Everything's about how real it is. You know, this guy was too phony, this and that. Brett gets Sting's baseball bat, which we are to assume is made out of either wood or steel. Mm -hmm. It's not a, a foam <laughs> wiffle ball bat or whatever the hell. Yeah. Brett hits Sting with the bat at least 10 times. Yeah. And yeah. Sting He's... doesn't die. Sting's just like, oh no, oh you're hitting me again. What I love though is like, so they go to the like. There's also a ref bump here as well, and they they go to the, the care of when they Irish whip because the ref is bumped out in the middle of the ring. Mm. So when they go to do Irish whips, they sort of like hop over <laughs> hop over the referee. It's just, uh, yeah, Brett is just checked out. There's a part where he tries to get some brass knuckles out, and 
then Sting puts the brass knuckles on and the ref stops him from doing it. It's just all I've put it, all I've just written written here is Sting knocks himself out with a stinger splash as well because he overshoots <laughs> and bangs his head on the turnbuckle. Yeah. That's when then then Brett starts going to town with him with the baseball bat, puts him in the sharpshooter, and then wins. It's like, just that's over. It. Yeah. That's it. And then they play some weird the, the the only interesting part that I got from this was Brett's weird exit music. Was it different? I wasn't paying attention by that point. Yeah, he only he had for some reason that in only well, I guess we never really saw him win too much in WCW. <laughs> he had an exit theme there, and all I could say is like there's Sting gets a stretcher job out of there. And for I think Brett's actually mentioned how disappointed he is in this match because he was looking forward to working with Sting. And you know, you had the sharpshooter versus, you know, the Scorpion King, uh, the Scorpion Deathlock, not the Scorpion King Deathlock, as done <laughs> by the rock. Um <laughs> But like, I think even in hindsight, he knows like there's two things that he knows about his WCW run that he checked out, even though he says that he doesn't. And this is one of those. I'm I'm just dialing it in now. Matches. It is not good. And seriously, any point from 19, I don't know, whatever, 1988 to 1998, this is a dream match. Yeah. And this is what we got. Yeah. Awful. Awful stuff. And they never had a chance to do it again, too, I don't Did think. Did they never wrestle on Nitro? I bet you there's got to be a good match of theirs somewhere on Nitro, but that doesn't count. Actually, you might. I think it, there might be, but it was when that in 99 when Sting turned heel. But uh, we'll, we'll obviously get to that a little bit later on. Speaking of uh, dream matches, Hogan versus Warrior 2. Now, we've got another recap of Nitro. Again, the same one that we saw earlier. So, I don't know who's just decided. Well, you know, I guess you know who it's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. say you yeah. don't know who decided Hulk Hogan. But what is so weird about this match is it's using WrestleMania, WrestleMania from 1990 mm-hmm. as the basis of this match. Yep. Like it's a match eight years in the making in another company, <laughs> but but let's we've been waiting for this one. It's like, oh my god, we'll and- say it was in Toronto, but we won't say the name of the show or anything else. <laughs> Bobby, you were there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the other one too. There is so much faffing around. It is slow and plodding. Both men, though, are immaculately tanned. Oh, they are. I think Hogan edged out Warrior in that way. Um, I love the way that Warrior is announced because if Kevin Nash is from Arizona, we know where Arizona is because Warrior is from the one Warrior Nation. Yep. Arizona. Oh, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Both both men just seem to be blown up in the first ten minutes of this match. It is just then it's just it's all it's it's a match in slow motion. Like they're nine like WrestleMania six was like a masterpiece. This is everything but they even try going back to WrestleMania six and they do the crisscross spot, which is kind of fun. You don't see it in wrestling often. Yeah, but I yeah. think once they did that, they were like, Okay, no more running for the rest of the match. <laughs> There's even a point where the ref bump is so soft and the ref bump happens early. The Mm -hmm. ref goes down, but because it was so soft, Hogan then has to walk up to the ref and knee drop him because even the ref was like, I don't think I can sell that. So the ref didn't didn't commit to the bump. Yeah. And then as the ref gets bumped, the giant runs out. uh, But then he ends up taking out Hogan. The warrior takes out all of the NWOB team. In fact, does Stevie Ray even get in the ring? I don't think he makes it. Stevie and Vincent come out and might as well just fall over before they get in the ring. It's not good. <laughs> Warrior does that. There's also another thing too where Warrior does like a little roly-poly sort of move <laughs> across the That's ring. A, my favorite bit in the match, Warrior's on the ground. Hogan tries elbow dropping him. Every time he does, Warrior just does like an army roll to evade him. And Hogan's like, what? How is he so quick? But then Warrior rolls into the legs of Hogan and trips, trips him over. Hogan. Yeah. So if, if you if, if you want a mental image of that, remember when as a kid you used to find like a grassy hill and roll mm. down it? That's <laughs> yeah. what Warrior is doing in the ring. Um, and then from that, somehow Hogan gets busted open. <laughs> Uh, Hogan was pulling out every trick he could for this match. Interference, ref bumps. What if I bleed? And we know there's no bleeding in WCW. As he's bleeding, Hogan then goes to the corner, 
and pulls out a plastic bag of goodies. And we've seen this go wrong. Look, to be fair, it went wrong in the WWE with um, Paul Bearer and The Undertaker in 97. I forget the pay-per-view. But remember, they did such a great job of editing it the next show that it looked like Paul Bearer threw a perfect fireball. So Hogan's going for a fireball here. And I don't know what happened, but it just doesn't light and it doesn't burn. It didn't do anything. I think I think what must have happened is it is burned too quick because yeah. because Hogan just looked like, oh, crap. <laughs> That's the last I do with that one, brother. There's even one point where he's lighting it, and I guess because it wasn't lighting on time either. Warrior's just sta- standing there staring at him. Yeah. Like, hey, man, what are you doing? And Hogan's like, hold on, <laughs> brother. Just got to get a light. It's all silly. And the crowd absolutely dies after mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. And then, and the best part too is like, I will give kudos to the commentary team because they do their best to save it. They absolutely do their best. They're just like, he was going to set the man on fire. What a crazy. And it's just like, geez. It's like, at what point, because I've often thought, thought this since that match, I'm just like, what what would have been the good thing? What warrior gets catches on fire? Like what what, what was the plan? It's just like the old Jerry Lawler Memphis yeah. thing where I just threw yeah. the fireball in your face. But yeah. But what when was Jerry Lawler happened here. When Jerry Lawler did that to like Terry Funk back in the territory days, it looked like, you know, some street fighter kind of BS. It, <laughs> yeah, it literally yeah. looked like he, it didn't look like Hogan kneeling down there <laughs> like he's trying to start a campfire. No. Well, that's why Jerry Lawler's the king and Hogan isn't, I guess. Just there's so an art to it. Here's one more for you because just when you thought, okay, what else can what else can they pull out of this bag of tricks? Out comes Horace Hogan with a chair. And the commentary team's like, oh, he's out to get revenge. He's out to get revenge. Just when Horace comes out, Bischoff distracts the ref. Oh, my. Mm. And, of course, because we haven't seen a guy pretend to not be in the NWO and then actually be in the NWO before, let alone on this same show, Hogan hits Warrior with the chair. Yep. Shocks the world. Shocks the absolute world. Hits Hits Horace hits Warrior with the chair. Warrior goes down, gets the pin straight away. Doesn't even kick out. No. Just it's straight a pin. And then post-match, the NWO try to burn the Ultimate Warrior with lighter fuel. Yeah. Yep. They pour but fuel like, on him, but then they mm-hmm. decide not to burn him. Yeah, they, they they do essentially what like a Jedi, what they do at the end of um, Return of the Jedi with Darth Vader. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I love how Doug Dillinger's like, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah, and then Bischoff's like, oh, you're right, Doug. Can I just say, this match is one of the matches that is absolutely as bad as everyone says or remembers. This might be the worst match on any pay-per-view we've watched so far. And I think Uh, we've said that before, but this takes the cake. This is this is the this is the minus seven star Dave Meltzer classic. (laughs) It is just awful. So we should also point out to now we get to the main event. It is and they also sort of skip ahead because before they get to Michael Buffer, DDP's theme kicks in ever so briefly and stops. <laughs> what are they doing? It's just crazy. Uh, Michael Buffer, of course, being paid by the word because he just goes through every acronym, every he names like every like. And let's thank the the Nevada Commission with Doctor Steve. Dr. Steve Rudritsky, Dr. Such and Such. <laughs> he lists everyone. He's like, he oh, lists the whole Las Vegas Athletic Commission. I'm guessing because he's done so much boxing in Vegas, he already had that memorized. And he yeah. probably said, do you want me to chuck that in for you? This one's a freebie. I've got the card left over from whatever <laughs> heavyweight fight I was at last. Yeah, from, or maybe he yeah, just had my... it in his notes accidentally in there. Yeah, Vegas. He had the Vegas card in there. <laughs> I, I do want to say I loved the um the introduction for DDP where Buffer said from the Jersey Shore by way of the school of hard knocks. Like <laughs> his Buffer uh, stuff is ridiculous. I've written that down here that my third note is DDP makes his entrance and Michael Buffer is really milking it, giving it the full backstory and the full Michael Buffer treatment. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, he even mentions this man is the number one ranked wrestler in the heavyweight division. He won the war games to become the number one contender. It's it's good. This is the better version of a Buffer introduction. And can I just say, 
DDP looks so hyped up and amped for this entrance. He's finally yeah. in a main event. We've seen him kill it for two years on the show. Always one of the standouts. The dub over on the network, this was my breaking point for his yep. music. And I'm like, no, nah, I got to just experience it once as it was like when we were kids. I found a mm-hmm. version on Daily Motion with oh, his no. real music intact. And I'm telling you, it takes it to another level. Like that original theme song, the knockoff of Teen Spirit, it's just, it goes off. And DDP, you can see why he was so energetic. It's a shame. We should also point out too, like, so Goldberg comes out with the full security on the entrance. It looks fantastic. He's billed at the being, um, the streak is now 154 and 0 in kayfabe. Um, it's it's just such a cool thing. And it's probably one of the f- rare WCW papers that we've watched in the time that we've been doing this podcast, where it's actually two young dirt. Well, DDP, you can't really call it young. It's you know two what I mean? like, WCW guys. Yeah. Two not, fresh dudes. Yeah. Not guys who came, you know, with a leftover sort of gimmick or feud from the WWE. Nothing to do with anywhere else. It's two WCW guys. So, yeah, and not like, you know, like you could argue too that like, oh, we've had flair with the horsemen sort of ones. Like this is pure WCW, no like Jim Crockett promotion BS yeah, from that right. heyday. It's it's perfectly done too. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an actual, I should point out too, once they get in the ring, that's where the pay-per-view cuts out. <laughs> that is where the pay-per-view, so you get the full entrances, the full hype. And just as they're about to lock up, that is where the pay-per-view cut out. Isn't that just great? The first time to homegrown Monday Night War, WCW Nitro. Two guys who were basically built on Nitro. They main event a pay-per-view for the world title and it cuts off on pay-per-view. It is just the most WCW. And also, shout out to Buffer for during Goldberg's entrance. He says that Goldberg has, you know, built his streak with his finishing move, the power spear, an inverted slam and pin. (laughs) <laughs> what <laughs> is that the generic name for the jackhammer why did he not have the gimmick name inverted slam and pin he probably ran out of cards because he read all the, cur- the, uh, the nevada <laughs> boxing commission, commission yeah. <laughs> yeah but no getting to this match it's such a shame because this match is phenomenal if this finished if this actually finished the pay for you I reckon you'd be looking back on this Halloween Havoc 98 in a much different light because it's an actual wrestling match. This is probably the best Goldberg match that we've seen, I reckon. It's only 11 minutes. It is only 11 minutes, but this is absolutely one of the best matches under 15 minutes you'll probably ever see. They do not waste time, but they never sacrifice telling a story. It's all about DDP. Can he hit the diamond cutter? That's the best move in all of wrestling. It could beat Goldberg yeah and can Goldberg stop DDP from doing it can he hit his finishing move first this match was amazing still yeah it's it's and 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 the thing is too like both you're right because like it's true to both characters because Mm. Goldberg tries to go for the spear in fact that's what undoes him when he when he goes straight into the um he goes into the ring post and then when DDP pulls the the uh, uh, the diamond cutter out of nowhere. That's why it was such. It's always Bill is like he can do it from anywhere, but he does it and he takes himself out so much. Like it's so well done, and the cheer, the cheer when he finally hits when he hits that diamond cutter. Because even Bobby the Brain sort of says, "This could be it. This could be it. We we're about to see Goldberg be pinned. Where history is going to be made." Very very cool. Both men though get knocked out. Um, Goldberg eventually prevails with the jackhammer, gets the win. And Tony Schiavone basically sums it all up. This is what it's all about. Not trying to set a man on fire, not trying to beat him with a baseball bat, but this is what it's all about. And unfortunately, no one told anyone else in the building. (laughs) Well, no one watched this match because it was cut off on pay-per-view. And yeah, famously, they would have to show it on Nitro the next night. They did well in the ratings and they had to refund everyone as well. So, you know. Some of zero, I guess. Yeah, they got a good rating, but they had to refund everyone. Great match. I think DDP should have won in hindsight. Mm-hmm. It maybe would have um, kind of calmed certain crowds down on resenting Goldberg. Yeah, And you also would have had DDP made forever, where sure, he might not be the toughest or the strongest or the most athletic, but if he hits you with the diamond cutter, it's all over. But either yeah. way, great match. 
good show of respect at the end by Goldberg as well, just to sort of like, you know, make everyone say like, hey, you know, you took me to the limit kind of thing. Really, really cool match. Uh, like it, like we said, it's a shame that no one actually got to see that until 24 hours later. But as we go through the pay-per-view, like there is a lot of like, there's a lot of stuff to like here. There is there's a lot of stuff to like like there's some absolute the only stinkers are Bret Hart versus Sting and Hogan versus Warrior. Like they're the only two matches where I'm just like, oh man, this is just awful. Arguably two of the biggest matches on this show are absolute <laughs> duds. Um, as bad as Alex Wright and Fit Finley. Everything else though, because it's such a bloated big card, everything else is good. Even if you yeah. take out three bad matches and horrible matches, three of the worst matches you'll ever see, yeah. everything else is pretty everything else is pretty decent. Look, um, I think you've been, I think you've been way too harsh on Fit Finley and Alex Wright because at least they <laughs> yeah, have the at least at least look I'm gonna use the, I'm gonna use the <laughs> Superman four defense at least it was short yeah there you go <laughs> but yeah either way everything else was entertaining or interesting or a, a surprise or you know moved the story forward not a bad show Hogan and Warrior is as bad as you would think it's not even fun to watch like that's the thing the bad matches aren't even entertaining um they just suck this is actually a hard show to pick the mvp though i'm gonna i'm gonna see i'm gonna because if we're going wrestling wise i'm gonna have to go with uh, like rick steiner i was gonna say out of all the shows it's a toss-up legitimately between rick steiner and disco inferno yeah i was yeah both guys wrestled two matches. They mm. told a great story. They carried those segments. I don't know. Take your pick. I might, maybe Rick Steiner, just because the crowd was into everything he did. Yeah. If if we didn't have the huge backstory and the huge run-up for the Steiner brothers exploding, Disco would get that hands down. Because this is the one where you're legitimately going, you know what? I don't mind Disco Inferno after this. Yeah, I want to see more <laughs> Disco. But Rick Steiner, though, we got to give it credit because not only was he great, but they even paid it off. And that's rare to see in WCW. The good guy came out on top. The crowd loved it. He got, you know, NWO got their comeuppance. Great performance by Rick. And obviously, Scott would go on to even bigger and better things. This might be one of Rick's best moments, you know? I reckon it's probably great night. This is where he peaks because it certainly wasn't um, in 99 where he teams up with, um, was it, who did he, he teams up with like Sid Vicious and Kevin Nash, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, in that weird run where they were like killing everyone or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is this is the mountain for Rick, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, look, it was, it's a pay-per-view that, watch it for history, just you cherry pick it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, because there's some good stuff in there, and there's some absolute stinkers in there. And this, like, thankfully, the stinkers are towards the back end. But um, we've we've got another great pay per view coming up. Our next edition of Reliving the War is going to be Survivor Series 1998. Cannot wait for that one. But uh, make sure you follow us on all the social media. Grey Wolf ENTs, where you can find all the latest. And we'll catch you next time on another edition of Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.